Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Previously on Rabbit and Red Radio. I'd be like, you know what? Fuck you. Fuck you. What, if, what, what is this? Net neutrality? Uh. Is that what this is? Because that's what the fuck you're acting like. Fucking Hughes, fucking Ned, I'm gonna fucking rip your balls off. <laughs> it's very frustrating. Fuck you, Hughes, Ned. And now. Except kids playing pranks, trick-or-treating, parking, getting high. I have the feeling that you're way off on this. You have the wrong feeling. Well, you're not doing very much to prove me wrong. What more do you need? Well, it's going to take more than fancy talk to keep me up all night crawling around these bushes. I, I, I watched him for 15 years, sitting in a room, staring at a wall, not seeing the wall, looking past the wall, looking at this night in humanly patience. Waiting for some secret, silent alarm to trigger him off. Death has come to your little town, Sheriff. You can either ignore it or you can help me to stop it.
Whenever I'd like, so we're just gonna go. Oh, Jesus. Can you stop playing with your mic, too? Jesus, you did that throughout the entire fucking interview. Well, no, I didn't play with it. I'm just... I'm just Caressing it. Well, no, it's what it is. It's it's my fucking <laughs> webcam microphone right now. And, uh... Oh, we're back to that. Well, you know, until the, the, the mixer can be used in kind. And the mixer will be able to be used in kind as soon as HughesNet stops being an asshole. <laughs> Fuck you, HughesNet. And even yeah. on the on the previously on on the last show, I still said "fuck you, HughesNet." I'm gonna say "fuck you, HughesNet" every show because HughesNet, you are a bunch of assholes. All That's right, what. and welcome to Rabbit and Red once again. <laughs> Roads, and with me as always is the idiot savant, I'm, I'm Michael. Diddling, I'm diddling J. the microphone. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Diddling like a fine man in the boat clitoris. <laughs> you know, it's Valentine's Day. Uh, I wish I was with a clitoris right now, but unfortunately I'm not. Yeah, neither one of us are. It's actually uh, well, right around 9.30 at night, and uh, we're instead recording this for you. So yeah, but see, you all get to is, be our Valentine. Well, I, I don't want to say problem, but the, the thing is with you, at least you could have a clitoris waiting for you later. I, however, do not have that unless I had a porta pussy, which I do not have, um, because I broke it. But um, <laughs> uh. hey, it's not my fault. They said I. I remember I went to, actually, yeah, I went to um, a, an adult. Student. Now this is this is um, after the, no, this is before jacket i believe i went with or no wait. oh so this is a long time ago oh no wait i'm sorry jacket was around um i went with my ex-girlfriend we were exes at the time but still friends and now she's married and i don't and she's got three kids and i don't talk to her much anymore Oof. uh she's she's really i mean she was um she was an amazing you know that was an amazing relationship that kind of lasted for um, I want to say weeks. no. It lasted about. <laughs> I'll tell you. Uh, I think we started in June, and we were done by my birthday, so that would be like the end of September. Ugh. And in that time, sir, let me tell you, she gobbled my knob probably better than anyone ever has before or since. I mean, she oh. she, she well, took I, uh... it like a champ. I guess and I'm glad to hear that. She guzzled that semen like it was fucking orange juice. So what about any prospects for the future, Michael? Well, well no. But wait. No, I forgot. You you fucking got me off track. I was trying to tell you how I broke the porta pussy. So okay. anyway, we were in there, and I figured I'd pick it up. So I got it, and it was like... Yeah, there's a, cheap, a lot of lonely nights. But it was... Yeah, and it was a cheap imitation one. 
Oh. It was just like a blue tube. You know, it was like a it was like a wannabe fleshlight, but not a fleshlight. So So you you got like the dollar store knockoff version. Well, it was more than you a dollar. You cheap bastard. Well, it was more than a dollar. It was like 20, it was like $25. Oh, come on, and, man. You can't uh, cheap out on that. You know. Um, I mean, I've never had to buy one, but you don't well, cheap out on that sort of stuff. Well, I didn't know. And then well, I bought the liquid sex that came with it for $10 cuz they said you need to buy liquid sex. It was a requested accessory or a required accessory. So I bought that. So then what I would do was yeah, this lasted I think the first time I did it it was it was it was great. But um afterward um you know cuz I didn't pull out, I left it in and um afterward to clean it um I didn't buy the disinfectant that they sold in the store. Oh. I I just turned on the tap rinsed it out as, as hot as it could go and I just oh. let the water flow through it and let the junk fall out of it um yes so then afterwards like a day later i decided to use it again i was like hmm i'm like if it feels this good then this is gonna be like an everyday fucking deal i'm not gonna give up on this thing the diary of a sad lonely man (laughs) gentlemen so okay so i was feeling uh particularly um, randy that day so oh, let's just say I loaded the old gimp dick up with um with the liquid sex, like quite a bit of it. And uh I was really going to town and I don't know what happened, but I think um letting the water run through it, I don't know if it killed some of the sensation or maybe got it waterlogged or something, but it did not feel as good as it did like the previous day when I used it the first time. Okay, so let's fast forward to how you broke it. Um I just Cause... really started moving on it like really fast. I mean as fast as my gimp hands would allow me to do. Um and you just broke it. And yeah, I basically uh fucked it right out of the tube. Ah. Well, that's a lovely mental image and, for everyone. And I tried to put it back in after it was over. Like, I tried to get it back in the tube. And, you know, it went back in. Uh, you know, and two hours later, I figured, you know what, I'm going to try it again just to see what happens. Wow. And I could just never get it in the tube again right. So... <sighs> You know, Truly the diary of a sad, lonely man. I, I thought it was only appropriate for Valentine's Day. Well, are there any other uh, future prospects out there for you, Michael? Well, you know, there was the off and on with the, you know, one from New York. Who knows what's going on with that now? She's being kind of mean and... uh <laughs> Not really, like, she'll she'll say she doesn't want a relationship, and that's great, and, and whatever, but then if she needs something, she'll call me, and she expects me to help her, and I says, well, that's not going to happen, because you cannot get help if, you know, you don't want to be with me, because you say you're done, and you don't want to talk, whatever, then you can't expect me to help you with anything, that that's done, that's over, it's not going to happen. Yeah, can't have your cake and eat it too. Right, and that pisses her off, and then she's like, okay, fine, Mike, bye. Because she yeah. knows, she knows that I hate when she calls me Mike, because 
I don't know. It just, it just fucking skeeves me out when a fucking girl calls me Mike. Like, I just don't want to hear my name come out of a female's mouth. <laughs> All right. Well, that's 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 a whole new issue right there. But we're going to skate right by that. Well, I'm glad the catfishing seems to be dying down for you. Well, for for now, we'll we'll see how it goes. But, yeah, for now. So, uh, how did you spend your Valentine's Day, buddy? Uh, well, with you right now. <laughs> and you know what? Like the Clean Bandit song, there's no place I'd rather be. Uh, no place I'd rather be. No place I'd rather I'm going to play that song in here somewhere. Okay, well... <laughs> Uh, as for myself, I had a uh, kind of an eventful, eventful past couple of days. Um, HughesNet sucks. HughesNet does suck greatly. Um, uh, once again, it's the only option at my nice little cabin in the woods, and uh, <laughs> it sucks. Um, yeah, ran out of internet because apparently there's no data cap, but you can buy quote unquote tokens and get your internet back. Well. Fuck well, then there's you, a I'm data. There, well, okay. Well, then okay. There's a data cap. Then it's not like a hard ceiling, Mike. What it is is you have so much you can oh, use geez, within geez, your geez. billing period, oh, and if you go over, it's supposed to just slow down. Well, and slow down, it just means it doesn't fucking work so because when, it was slow to begin with. Okay. Well, when does it come back? Um, billing period is up on the seventeenth, I believe. So three days. Basically. Yeah, basically. That sucks. Yeah. Just means I don't get to finish Altered Carbon. Oh, that's right. That's on Netflix. Yeah, I've watched, uh, I think, the first four or five episodes. Um, oh, it's a it's series. Not, oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. It's not great, but so far it's, it's <laughs> entertaining. It's not great, but so far it's entertaining. That means um, I don't know why I'm watching this. I'm wasting my time. Uh, I'm intrigued by the mystery. Um, I kind of like the world that it's in. So there's mystery. Um, is okay. I wait. I think I figured out the mystery. The mystery is that it's altered. <laughs> All right. Skipping past Mike's stupidity. Um, <laughs> we have to throw it in there. Yeah. Well, Mike, I, I actually have a little bit of news for you and oh. everyone out there. Oh God. Now, um, um, I'm, I'm on my knees now. Can I stay on my knees or do I have to sit down? Ah, uh, the choice is yours, my friend. Uh, well, I but... can't really sit down because Blu-rays are on the chair and 4Ks yeah. and I can't really, yeah. Yeah, you don't want to disturb them. Right. Well, as of Valentine's Day, I am engaged. You fuckface. <laughs> a simple congratulations would, would suffice, Mike, but... You, this ruins everything. Women ruin everything. Don't you know that? Well, well allow me to, to it's finish. It's only the... a matter of time before little Rhodes Kings come out of the little vagina. Well, allow pop, me pop, to pop. actually finish the story. Oh, no, she's pregnant already, too. Jesus Christ, I should have sat down. Oh, God. Well, no, but currently uh, I'm engaged to a woman that's not speaking to me. Okay. Why is she not speaking to you now? Well, obviously, big questions started coming up of, like, when to get married and details and blah, blah, blah. And then it came up of, well, 
you know at some point I'm going to want children. Oh, God. <laughs> and, you know, tried to skirt around it, but eventually had to be discussed, and I was honest. I do not want children. Correct. So. Yes, but she wants children. Yeah, so we're kind of at an impasse. Right, okay, so wait a minute. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Okay, so you... Okay, hold on. Hold on. I gotta wrap my little gimp brain around this because no wonder you're at your parents' house. Okay, so... Well, no, I needed internet. Right. We had an interview. I'm not an asshole. Right, but this is a part of it, so... No, it's not. Okay, well, anyway, just let me try to figure it out in my head, please. This is, this is, I, I live for this shit. Please, just let me do it. So, okay. All right, let, let, let's let just... If you listen out. closely, people, you can almost hear the little gears turning. <laughs> They're turning, okay. Um. All right, so here's what happened. Okay, so it's Valentine's Day, right? So, okay, so... You woke up this morning, and I noticed you posted, because you were off today, correct? Yes. Correct. So I noticed you post on Facebook, I believe today was Avery's birthday. So you posted on his timeline at around 9 o'clock, a little after 9 o'clock, I noticed that this morning. And I was like, hmm. I'm like, okay, it's 9 o'clock in the morning. It's his off day, and he said on his off days at the earliest, he gets up at 11. I said I like to. What right? But see, in my mind, in my brain, I figured, okay, something fishy is going on here. So you know, uh, not have... the case. I'm usually up at nine nine thirty. I just, I on, just woke up on on work days. Okay, well that's well okay. in general. All right. Well, okay. So here's what I'm thinking. Let let me finish my fantasy in the head. So your fantasy is wrong. No, no, no. It, it's 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 <laughs> extremely one hundred percent right. So you make her a romantic breakfast. You know that I gave you Wrong. a copy of Almost Home. Wrong. And you're like, okay, we're going to sit down and we're going to watch watch um, Reese Witherspoon come Almost Home again. Wrong. And uh, you're sitting there and you're having your tea and crumpets. And, Wrong. And, you know, you're, you're doing tea. You're like, I don't really like tea or coffee, but I will drink it for you, dear, because you are amazing. You are incredible. And I love you so, so much. By the way, what's that on your finger? Oh, that's right. It's a ring that I slipped on your on your finger. It's um, 14 karat gold. Uh, diamonds wow. aplenty. Uh, something that, that you, you look at it and you can smell what the rock is cooking. So um, she said yes. And then what happened was then we're sitting there we're talking. We're like, okay, so now we're engaged. So now when am I, are you going to start putting buns in my oven? Because my oven is preheated up to the desired temperature for the buns to be cooked. So I need to start cooking buns presently. And you said, well, I don't want children because children are the, the, the bastardization of the world. And I do not... <laughs> don't let Sarah listen to this because she'll hate me too. So children are the bastardization of the world. And um, they, I do not want to bring them into this world because you understand that if you do bring, if I do implant my seed in your vagina, we will bring out children that are, are, are devotee fans of Bruce Campbell. And they will need to love Bruce Campbell. Ash and Ashette. That's what we're going for. So. She well, you're not wrong there. I mean. She, well, exactly. See, and of she, course it'd have to be. Exactly. And see, she 
didn't like to hear the fact that, you know, they would have to be Bruce Campbell devotees. She doesn't even know who the fuck Bruce Campbell is. She's like, he's a fucking big-chinned motherfucker. I don't know why you model your life after him. You have a stupid fucking belly rocker for him. What has he what done for you? What would Bruce Campbell do? What is, yeah, exactly. What has he done for you lately? Nothing. 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 He's actually nothing. autographed my original Evil Dead VHS clamshell. Right, but that doesn't do anything for, 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 for the woman or for your children. That just is something for you. So that's like a selfish reason. But, um... So, now she's not talking to you because now you, you, you let the beans spill that you do not want children... And she wants children, so now it's going to be a fucking fight to the death. It's almost <laughs> like, you know what, Can I'll be the auctioneer, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to start the bidding off at fucking, we're going to start the, 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 the bidding off at baby. Baby, no baby, baby, no baby, baby, no baby, baby, no baby, 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 baby. And I'll fucking pass the gamer and we'll see, you know, who gets baby, no baby. <laughs> That's what I think. Because you don't want kids, dude. You don't want kids. Because I'm going to tell you what, fucking... Me and, and New York, actually, when when we first started talking, she didn't want kids either. And she knew that I didn't want kids. Like, I really didn't want kids. I was against kids. I know that, like, my condition is not genetic, uh, but I don't want little children, you know, because honestly, you know, I would need, if I had a, if I had a boy, I would name him Donald Paul. Donald Paul. Donald Paul. His first name would be Donald for Donald Pleasance, and his middle name would be Paul for Paul for Rudd. Paul because Rudd. Donald and Paul are my two favorite actors of all time. So that's why it would be Donald Paul Sankovich. Oh, Jesus. And that's what it would have to be. And see, she didn't like Donald as the name for a boy. Like we, And I said, you don't understand. I don't have many chances that children left. So if there has to be a boy, it has to have that name. And she's like, well, she likes some name that's like a black name. And I'm like, okay, you want to do Ooh, a black oh, name? Then? Oh, oh, oh. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, Rabbit and Red <laughs> is not racist. Rabbit and Red does not endorse Michael J. Sankovich's racism. <laughs> Please feel free to send any hate mail to Mike Sankovich. <laughs> I'm not racist either. So anyway, okay. So then it got to the point where I was like, you know what? I think if I'm you're not racist, Mike, what 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 do you mean by black name? <laughs> I mean like fucking Taekwon. So you're saying that a white kid couldn't be named Taekwon? No, a white kid could not be named Taekwon. If you named a white kid Taekwon, do you have any idea how people would look at him? Kind of like a person, Mike. <laughs> there would be like, okay, wow. So, 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 Mike, you don't endorse I can't quality. Say that. Well, no, I can't say that because I I made a, a a a film in my junior year of high school that I posted on YouTube. It's called Crossroads, and the my one friend who starred in that film was a wigger at the time. And Jesus Christ. <laughs> 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 That's the name for it, though. <laughs> okay, we are moving very far past that. I said Wigger, not the other name. I'd still not any better. <laughs> no, really. but anyway, his character name was Tiberius. 
I was against it, but I let it go because that's what he wanted to do. So, you know, because he liked to wear his pants low and, you know, show off his boxers to people. <sighs> Rabbit in Red is not a racist podcast. We do not endorse racism. Michael J's opinions are those of his own and do not reflect John Rhodes or Rabbit and Red Incorporated. <laughs> should, should should I go to the Boz? The Boz? The Baz, the Boz, the Boz. The Boz sounds oh, better than the Baz, actually. Boz, Baz, whatever. All right, so anyway. Well, okay, so you're not talking. <laughs> Boz, Baz, Boz. I want to go to Twin Peaksies. I want to go to X-Files World. I want to go oh, everywhere. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I want to go every. I want to get on the magic school bus and go to short bus cinema world. I wanted to go to, let's see. Uh, okay, moving along. Um, okay, so wait. So anyway, now why do or why does? Okay, so now why is she not talking to you? Um, I think it's just. Uh, I don't know. Did I you think it's just to the her whole... this morning. Yesterday. Why didn't you tell me about this yesterday, fucker? Uh, I thought this would be more impactful. You fuckface. <laughs> I thought we were deeper than this. Are you telling me it didn't make for good radio? Oh, of course it made for good radio, but I just feel... You don't like a surprise every once I in a while? Just feel, I just feel cheated. Well, people are going to get a surprise if they listen ahead in the interview. But Well, I've... honestly, Mike, yeah. you're the first person I've told. Who? How? What what about your parents? They're in your in the house downstairs. Still don't know. They don't well what if they're listening right now? Well then they'll know. Mr Mr. Rhodes, I have to tell you something. Your son is a is a brilliant human being, but I think this is one of the dumbest moves he's ever made in his life. Mrs. Rhodes, I gotta tell you, same thing. Your son is a brilliant human being, but what the fuck is he doing to himself? <laughs> This is this, so so okay. So the impasse happened yesterday. Yesterday evening. Night, All right. So whatever. so that happened. Okay. So you proposed. Everything was good. Did she like the ring or did she hate it? She liked it. What kind of ring is it? Uh, Helzberg diamond. Holy shit! You can afford that on a state salary. What the fuck? Eh, some savings. Holy shit! That's a wow. Of course, you're gonna like the phone. Okay. <laughs> um. So the conversation happened after the fact. I'm guessing. Yes. So now has she given you the ring back yet? Mm, no. Uh, are you going to ask her for it back? Because at this point, um, you know, it's like you don't want to no. waste money, and uh, you know, you think that the impasse will be resolved. Well, it has to be at some point. Okay, but see, here's the thing. Yeah, well, <clears throat> okay. <clears throat> you realize, you realize <laughs> for the okay, you realize for the impasse to be resolved, that you're going to have to give in and say you want to give her your baby batter. Nah. You know that that that's going to have to happen. Tonight, you are going to have to impregnate her. No. It's going right. to have to happen. All right, moving on past 
that because we've spent enough time on that. Well, uh, I okay. Here's here's gonna happen. I'm gonna be marriage counselor for you two guys, and I, I think. Oh we yeah. To, oh, that, that's someone's advice. We need. <laughs> we need to do a conference call, and uh, just get the the three of us on the line, and I will be your counselor. I will be your guide through this world of marriage without children. <laughs> All right, let's move along here, Michael. Fringe benefits of marriage without children. You uh, I don't think you're going to have any open. fringe benefits. You could with... fuck with the door open anytime you want. <laughs> okay. No kids will hear. Give me that dick, Michael. So, speaking of children, there was a school shooting today. Uh, you know what? You're a fucker. Because I was all on a fucking comedy high, and now you bring it just fucking flaming scorching to the ground uh 17 victims i believe was the last total um did they so it's like a saint valentine's day massacre in a school oh nicely put michael well no that's what it seems like i was like i was like holy shit i'm like you know somebody's seen valentine my bloody valentine i think it's just you know i i now, it's a scorned person. Was it a male or a female student that male. did it? Oh, of course it's a male. You know what? Fucking castrate these motherfuckers. And, and I do think that obviously uh, the fact that it's Valentine's Day has to have something to do it with it. It played um, a huge role in it, and you know it. Hmm? It played a huge role in it, and you know Absolutely. it. Absolutely. That's what I'm saying, is it has to. I mean, yeah. there's no way this is a coincidence. Um, now, Valentine's Day is to me and what it should be is a time to kind of reflect and realize what you love right whether it be a pet another person mm-hmm. whatever yes and, and just kind of appreciate that yes but then again there's some lonely people like <clears throat> michael that yes feel scorned and it's just kind of a day of misery and apparently this poor little Bastard, yeah. and I don't feel bad using that term. I this little motherfucker. Well, yeah, exactly. Use that term. Use a stronger <laughs> term. This little I'm motherfucker. You, I'm, I'm scorned, like you said, but I wouldn't go blowing up a fucking Best Buy. Right. Even though and that I, would be a good idea. I, I think that's the difference, and that's what people have to realize when it comes to stuff like this. Is no matter how you feel. It's not the tool's fault. It's not the weapon's fault. It's it, it's the person. We have to get better at dealing with fucking people because this kid was fucked up. I'm sorry, but normal people don't fucking do that. No matter how bad my day's been, I've had some real fucking bad days. And no matter how dark my thoughts have got, I've never acted on them. Of course not. And, and that's that's what we as a society have to realize is that it's not any of these things fault because, you know, I've had dark thoughts. I've had real bad fucking days. I'm actually related to a serial killer. Yeah, that's not bullshit, people. Right. Robert Ben Rhodes. Mm-hmm. And I'm a gun owner. But you know what? I've never fucking shot anyone. And Mike's taking this opportune time to text. <laughs> I'm glad school shootings are, are a time for you to take a break, Mike. Oh, no, I'm not taking a break. I'm just, you know, 
Oh, this is so important. Let me pull out my cell phone. <laughs> exactly. Click, click, well, I don't click, have to click. pull it out. It's just out already. Oh, I'm sorry. I so, was yeah, ready it's... to talk. I forgot that I have the fucking thing on. <laughs> it, it's just a load of bullshit to me. And, yeah, it, it's a huge fucking problem. But I, I think it's just small-minded and idiotic for us to blame you know, guns or anything like that. That We're ignoring the problem. The problem's the people. I mean, last week we were talking about the opioid epidemic that's kind of sweeping our nation. At no point have I heard anyone blaming the drugs. It's our society that's the problem. It's the people. So. The opioid, well, yeah, fuck that shit. It is the people. But again, with the guns, you got to look at it this way, too. It's just, it is kind of easy for a fucking teenager and shit to get guns these days. Oh, I'm not saying it's not. I'm not saying it's not. I mean, I like I said, I have several guns, but... Yeah, I can't, I've, I've seen you on Facebook shooting the guns. Oh, yeah, you the, the, the explosive that I shot, yeah. Yeah, ba-boom, bitch. <laughs> ba-boom. Yeah, in fact, uh, actually, I, I starred in a short for our friend Scott Summerton, a fake trailer. And is that uh, the violent actually, diarrhea? Yeah, violent diarrhea. Is that still out there? Ah, uh, God, I hope so. Because if not, maybe I, I actually have a copy of it. I'll have to see if it's on YouTube. Maybe I can post a link in the uh, with the um, show write up or something. Yeah, but actually, in that, I display one of my guns, and that was just. You know, impromptu because I read the script, I, I memorized my lines the best I could, mm-hmm. and I just felt it needed a little something else. And it, you know, violent diarrhea is as goofy as it is. It's supposed to be action, so it's violent. Yeah. <laughs> you should. Uh, you know, it's a shame that you really couldn't make that film. Uh, I don't think it's completely off the table. Uh, uh, I know honestly, Scott. Yes, I think you should do that as opposed to having children. I know Scott would still greatly like to do it. And um, actually, I just recently started a new workout routine, um, slowly getting back into shape. And uh, I'm actually trying to not just ignore the back issue, but I'm actually uh, trying to somewhat rehab that. Mm -hmm. Because in all honesty, if I just ignore it, the problem will be there. But if I'm able to build up my core and those muscles in the back, the problem should actually not really go away, but the muscles should help counteract. Did you go to the gym at like one o'clock in the morning the other day? I was leaving the gym. It's easier for me to just leave work and go straight to the gym. Oh, because, yes, I see. Yeah, the cabin in the woods is now about 20 minutes outside of town. So it takes me about a half hour to get to work. And the gym's real close to work, literally within the block. Ah, so it's just easier. I see. So it's yeah, easier exactly. for you to do it that way. I get you. Yep. Go to work. Get out of work. Go to the gym. Go home. Shower. Go home. Shower. And do it again the next day. And yeah. Um, so Snap Fitness. I've, I've, I wonder. Hmm. Do they have. Uh, what the fuck is that? Oh. It's the microphone cord rubbing wow. against a box. That's what I'm hearing. 
Wow. I thought a fucking old fucking computer modem was going off. I'm like, oh, I'm like, holy shit, am I in war games or what? Yeah, working with a uh, uh, fucking genius here, people. <laughs> a mental giant. I am the jolly green mental giant. Green because it's rotting. No, no, no. Necrosis have set No, in. green isn't rot. Green is the Incredible Hulk, bitch. Uh, Green is Jordy from Creepshow, bitch. I love Jordy. He is my favorite. And if you <laughs> tell me that you don't know who Jordy is, I am going to jump through this computer screen and beat you. I love Creepshow, man. Uh, although, I think Creepshow 2 is better. Um, I haven't seen that in so long. I've seen... Yeah, I've I've seen Creepshow multiple times. I think I've only seen Creepshow 2 once. Yeah, I, I don't mind going out on the limb and saying that. I mean, they're both really fucking good, but to me, I enjoy Creepshow. What better. about Creepshow 3? Or Creepshow 2, I'm better. What I about mean. Creepshow 3? No. What about Creepshow 4? Uh, hell no. Yeah, that's because there is no Creepshow 4, dingbat. I could have swore there was a part four. Nope. Ha. I was three killed ha. it. I fucking got you. I got you. I got you. I got you. I got you because you think that there is a creep show four and there is not. No, because three killed it because three was so fucking horrible. I must have just been thinking of a different anthology because they were pumping those out right around when three came out. What different anthologies you mean? Yeah, really shitty ones too. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Definitely. I'm behind you Probably thinking of there. like uh, Dead Time Stories or something. Uh, well, no, Dead Time Stories was like the '80s, so. Dead no, Time no, Stories George Romero put out uh, two films of them. What? Dead Time Stories. Could have swore that's what they were called. No, I forget what the fuck they're called. No, there is a movie called Dead Time Stories. But that was yeah. I, I know that one. I, I was just saying there was. I could have swore. All right. Anyway, moving on. Well, that time stories right. isn't really that good to begin with. Okay, so uh, let's let's talk about what we've purchased, and then uh, we're gonna talk about our upcoming segment. So, oh my ass! I know I know Mike. You enjoy purchasing shit all the time, but I myself have only purchased uh, two films recently since we last talked. Uh, I purchased the upcoming Scream Factory release of Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon. You pre-ordered it, though. You didn't purchase it. Potato, potato. Well, not really, because, yeah, actually, you haven't purchased it yet because you got it from Amazon, correct? Correct. You didn't purchase it yet because they don't charge you until it ships. Anyway. (laughs) See? Technicality. I win, bitch. Fucking idiot. Anyway. Uh, the other one is the 4K of Atomic Blonde. Ah, oh, how much did you pay for that one? Um, I think it was like $21. Hmm. Uh, was that an Amazon purchase? Walmart. Oh, Walmart's cheap with the 4Ks, huh? Uh, some of them. A lot of them are still right around $30, but if you pay attention, they drop down to around 20 Huh. Well, that's pretty good. Their selection's just not large at all. 
I've never, I mean, I've never been into a Walmart. I've just, honestly, I've just seen their, <laughs> no, I've been into a Walmart. I mean, I haven't been in one lately. I've seen their dump bins, you know, their Blu-ray bins. Oh, where you yeah. get the, the $5 shits. I mean, you know, and they just like put them in there and they're like a breeding ground for just people to come in and, you know, mm-hmm. they just toss all the shit all over the place. They probably unwrap them and take the discs out of the cases and all that fucking shit. They're fucking savages. Like Absolutely. fucking Native Americans. Oh, once again, <laughs> Rabbit and Red is not a racist show and does not support the opinions, thoughts, or speech of Mike Sankovich. So, Mike, uh, before you say anything else racist, have you purchased anything recently? Um, I got the Warner Archive Blu-ray of Leatherface, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. Very nice. I got the Criterion Blu-ray of the Night of the Living Dead from 1968, the new 4K uh, remaster. It's not in 4K, but it's from a 4K source. Right, right. You haven't even looked at it yet, have you? I I opened it. <laughs> and I I realized that it's a two disc set. Oh. Um <laughs> Let's see. I got the movie Wonder that Lionsgate put out about the kid with the facial deformity that stars Julia Roberts, oh, Owen you're gonna Wilson, cry during that. and Jacob Tremblay or whatever the fuck his name is. I call him Room Kid cuz he was in um that movie Room. Yeah, you're going to cry. Free Larson. Eh, I don't know. Um, you're going to uh, cry. You're just going to be flashing back to when you were a gimpy little kid. Why couldn't that have been me? They were so mean to me. Yeah, exactly. That That's, that, that, that's me, 100%. <laughs> uh, okay, before Michael J. gets all weepy-eyed and starts crying here. I'm trying to think um, what else I bought, fuckface. Hold on. Um, I just unwrapped a bunch of shit. Wait. Um, I I was just waiting for you to start bawling. I'm trying to think what else I bought. Remembering your 4K. terrible childhood. Hold on, I bought another 4K. What the fuck was it? Probably something stupid. I have them all downstairs on my dining room table. Um, fuck. Oh, that's a fucking great place for them. Well, the dog can't get them up there, thank God. <laughs> um, let's see. Okay, um... Wonder, did I get another 4K? No, I don't. Maybe I didn't get another 4K yet. Oh no, no, no. That's right. Because next week there's two 4Ks that I have to get on Tuesday. Ah. Uh, Daddy's home and Daddy's home too. Uh, the first one wasn't horrible. It was mildly funny, and yeah. I will actually watch the second one. So yeah, the second one looks good. Yeah, I mean it's got Mel Gibson in it and John, John Lithgow, Lithgow, so. You know, I wonder if it's like Daddy's Home Raising Cane. I doubt it. Could be interesting and intriguing. Uh, It's okay. We won't be able to discuss it because you won't watch it anyway. I've seen Raising Cane. No, I I mean Daddy's Home too. I'll watch Daddy's Home too. I watched Happy Death Day, so that counts. I'm going to try. I'm getting back. One film in how long? (laughs) Years, but I'm getting back into the point. (laughs) I'm being honest, but I'm getting back into the point of trying to watch a movie a day. That's a good habit. I, I mean, if you can do, do it, that. great for you. Man. I really want to try to do that. I watched My Bloody Valentine today. Ah, uh, yes. 
You did not. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and you really, I really never set you up with that Lionsgate Blu-ray of the um, unrated cut that has the footage restored, right? You have not, which is a travesty because I actually greatly appreciate that film. Yeah, you're actually gonna need that. I'm gonna actually, yeah, I gotta make sure that you. Uh, I'm gonna make sure that you get that. Don't you worry about that. All right. Oh, well, and by speaking... the way, ticks. I just, you know what, you had mentioned to me ticks, and I have to, I have to bring this up because this is the best. Okay. You, you had said that you wanted ticks, right? You want to talk Absolutely. about? Yeah. You want to talk about shipping out of print and expensive? Do you know how much? Oh, the... is that out of print? Do you know how much the Blu-ray of Ticks is going for? Seventy dollars. Dude, if it was going for seventy bucks, I would fucking buy it in a heartbeat. Two hundred. Well, no, it's under that, but still, it's fucking one hundred and fifty. One twenty-nine. Jesus Christ! I can tell you, having seen it, it's not worth that much. See, but I would get it if it was like seventy or eighty bucks. I would fucking drop that on it in a heartbeat just to get it because it's out of print. Which is still mind-boggling to me. What? Although I, mean? I say that. But then again, I would turn around and buy a leather case of a film I already own just to have the leather case that cost $80. So. Yeah, because you're a fucking whack job. I'm a case whore, thank you very much. Okay, case whore, whack job. See, this is why, this is why it should be understood that you can't have children because your children would be case whores too. <laughs> All right. So, There's no room. <laughs> we mentioned My Bloody Valentine. Oh, God. I love this film. It's been a tradition. I just puked in my mouth just a little bit. <laughs> it's been a, tradi eh, a tradition of mine for a while now to watch it on or right around Valentine's Day. Um, I greatly love this film. Uh, there's just so much to like about this. And we really get into that and uh, so much more. And actually... There might be a little exclusive in this interview with uh, the director of that slasher classic it's, coming up. Uh, yeah, it's, oh. it's really, I mean, holy shit, it's really good. <laughs> so, sit back, relax, and uh, enjoy, people. We will not be back on the flip side because this is pre-recorded, but I hope you all do enjoy, and I hope you all have a fantastic Valentine's Day. Stay spooky, fuckers. Oh, God. Well, we are going to do a Rabbit in Red Rewind first, and then we will get into this interview. So stay tuned, people. We love you. I love you. And John is ready to birth some case wars when we stop recording. We're a thousand miles from comfort We have traveled land and sea But as long as you are with me There's no place I'd rather be Strolling 
No, I think that's that's. Uh, I gotta get into the show and do it. Okay. Okay. So. Um. Well, you did pose a question to me um, during the last show that we did on a Sunday that I don't think uh, I got to um, expand upon. Yeah, my question was... Right. Okay, as every as every fan of Rabbit and Red knows that Mike's... I don't know if it's his favorite horror movie, but it's his favorite movie, uh, Halloween. His favorite Halloween is Halloween... Well, I have a couple of problems with that. Although I like the movie, and I actually played it last night when I was in bed, and I just fell asleep to it. I do like the movie. It, it's never been a movie I hated. I absolutely hate Thorn idea and all that stuff. But if you cut that out, which I normally disregard, and the horrendous scene of the uh, burned-in thorn into the hay, which absolutely destroyed... That's jumping the shark. That That's about where Halloween totally... No, actually, Halloween 5 came before that. I'm sorry, the clown music. The clown music when the cops showed up. That's when we jumped the shark. But um, Halloween jumped even further with the burned thorn symbol in the hay. Because, you know, Michael Myers from Part 1 would always would do things like that. Right. So, basically, disregarding all that, it's fine that he likes the movie, but there's so many reasons Mike shouldn't like Halloween 6 over, and I always say Halloween 4 because 5 is so bad and 4 is the only other one with Daniel Harris in it. Right. Um, it's Loomis' biggest movie, I think. I mean, and, you know, part 1, he had his role. No, you know what, I don't know. I guess it's, it's up there with part 1 for him. Mm-hmm. I think it's even a bigger role than part 2. And a better role and a better movie, and Daniel Harris is in it. Halloween 6 screwed over Daniel Harris, and they wouldn't pay her what she wanted to get paid. Right. And they also didn't respect her character, and they also screwed her over so bad that they actually hired somebody else to play her, which right. I thought would piss Mike off. And they also didn't get Howard Stern, which would make me like the movie more, but that's fine. So, Mike, after knowing all those things, mm-hmm. just tell me, why don't you like Halloween 4 more than 6? Because 6 was Loomis's biggest film, I think. Because it How was do you figure? Because it, it brought everything to a logical closure point, in a sense. You know, because the whole thing was was the, the thorn curse was, was explained, and at least in the producer's cut... Um, Loomis was supposed to be the the new keeper of 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 Michael, which I was thrilled about at first. Right, and just I mean, he spoke his dialogue with such conviction. I mean, the guy just had heart valve replacement before the movie started shooting, and I mean, you know that he was. Actually, no. Maybe he didn't have the heart valve before the replacement before the movie. Maybe after the movie. But still, he was sick. But he, you know what I mean. He didn't phone it in. I still think he did a very good job. I mean, not to say that he, did, that he did a bad job in four because he didn't do a bad job in four either. It's just I liked his performance in six best now, overall. Has it been confirmed that Michael killed Loomis in part six? Uh, no, because that that's. That that's not the case. 
Now, I heard Michael did kill him, and Michael spoke for the first time. And we have uh, that producer's cut. I think it's a different cut. Here's, here's Michael after he killed Loomis. That's what you get for warning people about me. Wow. Um, hmm. Now, did you get that copy? I didn't get that copy. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to get me a copy of that because um, I didn't get that. Yeah. And in this copy, Karen is that her name? The girl from Part Six. You mean Kara? Kara, yeah. Yes. Yeah, she actually. Yeah, she actually goes back in that right. that building and right. killed Michael. And here's a clip of her killing Michael. Uh, I actually have it. Um, okay. For the check. <laughs> so I don't know if anybody got that. It's actually not called the pr- producer six six six. This what one's is called, called six thousand eight hundred six thousand eight hundred seventy two. Ah, I get it. I get it. It it seems like this is a much better version of the film, actually. No, it really is. Um, We even have um, a clip of Tommy um, after, right before Kara killed him, Tommy was going to go in there to kill him, but he actually got killed in this version. And here's a clip of Tommy going in there to kill Michael Myers. Okay. Because I'm ready to do some ass kicking tonight, my friend. And it looks like... Your ass is the one Wow. I I, yeah. I didn't know that Paul Rudd was supposed to die in, in Halloween six. That is so emotional for me. You you have no yeah, idea. So, now do those clips those unseen clips, which I will send you in, in Blu ray. Uh, do they make you like the movie even do you like the movie even more now? You know, I think I do. There I mean, how can you not? I mean, with yeah. this newly discovered footage, it just takes it over the moon. I mean, how how can you not like it either? It, it's amazing. Yeah. Well, a lot of people don't know that in that version, there's actually an, another alternate version where Michael kills Kara as she's trying to kill him, like we just heard. But he right. he just takes a swipe. He he takes a swipe with his butcher knife and just slices her throat while she was hitting him, and and then he said, um. Wow. So wait, so Michael actually talked in that version of the movie. Yeah, that that's it was one of the most interesting yeah, the the the, the, the writer completely went off. I don't think he even watched the first five movies. Yeah. I mean, I got to tell you, you know, bravo to Daniel Ferrans for just, you know, really just taking it to another plane, you know. He just he just he just elevated it to a whole new level. So yeah. So I thought, yeah, a lot of people in our audience right now must be shocked. I mean, if you guys never seen this version, you go ahead and you contact us on uh, Rabbit and Red Radio on Facebook. Yes, please do. Just yeah, look, just look us up, and we will be happy to send you this Blu-ray. Oh, most definitely. you are. 
All right, and joining us right now is George Mihalka, the director of the slasher classic My Bloody Valentine. George, thank you so much for joining us. You're very welcome, and happy Valentine today, everyone. Make it less bloody this year. <laughs> well, yeah, it's uh, actually quite timely that we scheduled this. It's actually now Valentine's Day, so yes, happy Valentine's Day, everyone. Yes. It's Happy Valentine's Day, and my uh, my heart goes out to all those poor kids in Florida on Valentine's Day. That was horrible. Yeah, I just yeah. saw about that. Yeah. That's why that's why I was trying to make the bad joke about less bloody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we should be watching it in the movies only. Exactly, yeah. and and speaking of which, I, I really right now just want to thank you for giving us that film and a yearly tradition for me. I mean, it's been at least a decade now that every year on or right around Valentine's Day, I make sure and watch your film. Well, I thank you. I'll take that as a compliment and an honor. <laughs> well, I was just wondering if you could tell us a little bit about how you got involved with the film. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, totally by accident. Well, not, not by accident, really, but serendipity, more or less. It found me more than I found it. Um, um, I was just starting out my career and um, I was basically um, John Dunning and Andre Link who were the Roger Cormans of Canada um, had a company in Montreal called Cinefix and they they specialized in, in genre films they, they basically produced I think David Cronenberg's first four movies um, they produced Ivan Reitman's uh, Meatballs. So they were, it was either comedy or genre films. And uh, a couple of, about a year out of college, I uh, directed a, a comedy feature um, that made quite a bit of money on, in, you know, around the world called, in, in, in the States, I think they called it Pickup Summer. Um, and John and Andre, above all, they love making films, but above all, they love making money. So, <laughs> um, they, uh, they said, you know, well, we did, we just made a, a, a ton of money on meatballs. So let's make another comedy. And here's this kid, you know, in our backyard who, uh, has got a sense of humor. So let's see what we can do. So they called me and they offered me a two picture deal. Um, it started off with uh, a comedy that, we were going to make called Stitches. Um, it was a medical satire, you know, lots of blood, but in a different way, you know, it's, uh, uh, and I had, I had some connections in the comedy world with, uh, the writers from National Lampoon at the time and so on. So, uh, we got together a group of writers and we were preparing a, a comedy. Um, this was, I think, uh, the summer, early summer of 1980. Um, due to uh, a, a health issue from one of the writers, um, he, you know, I think I think he had some um, what would what, what would you call that? I guess uh, manic depressive. Uh, and he had a manic stage, and ended up writing and delivering an 800-page script. Oof. 
to which John Dunning, when it you know it arrived, it looked like uh, you know a telephone book, and John Dunning said, you know, uh, it's going to take me longer to read this thing than it would have for us to shoot it and release it. Um, we can't do this. How would you like to do your second movie first? Uh, and he handed me a uh, a one page treatment of. Uh, um, the concept for my bloody Valentine, and nice. you know, and you know, I mean, you could believe it when uh, you know my heart dropped when he when that script came in, you know, and uh, all of a sudden the movie that I'm supposed to be making is not being made, <laughs> you know. Um, so the one pager, you know, just it looked kind of interesting, and he said, "Look, I just spoke to Paramount, and they're." Uh, they're willing to give a negative pickup to us. Uh, and if you like it, you know, then I'd like you to start working with it with a young writer from Los Angeles called John Bear. And I said, you know, I've never made a horror picture before. And he said, well, you never made a comedy until you made one. <laughs> so I said, okay, well, if you think I can do it, he said, yeah, you know, I think you can, you know, and, and, you know, feel free to bring in some comic elements to it. I want it to be live. I want it to be different. I don't want it to be, you know, uh, a one-tone, uh, you know, slasher. So I said, cool, great. So John Baird and I got down to the sort of, um, I guess, uh, ironed out a story that John liked. You know, we, we were basically joking around saying, you know, my favorite film at the time was uh, Deer Hunter. You know, so I said, you know, let's make the deer hunter of horror movies. You know, uh, let's put it in, you know, let's put it into this kind of, uh, of a rust belty, uh, you know, place where jobs are becoming scarce and people are, you know, concerned with their futures or no future. Uh, let's make it blue collar. Let's make it, you know, um, you know, happy to go lucky people, but not necessarily you know, clone teenagers from some, you know, clone suburbia. And uh, John Dunning bought it. John Baird wrote it. And uh, we got sent out to uh, find them a coal mine to shoot it in. So I went out to do, search, you know, researching for places to shoot while John was busy, uh, you know, finishing the screenplay. And... The one problem we had with this, obviously, was John, after I said yes, John said, but you, you do realize that we need to put this out into the theaters for February 14th with a 1,200 screen release. You know, it was one of the biggest releases ever for a, for a Canadian horror film, or for any Canadian film. Um, so, you know, being young and foolish, and not needing any sleep. And I said, yeah, you know, we can do this in six months. No problem. <laughs> you, know, oh, uh, you know, and don't forget, you know, in those days, you know, I mean, there was no such thing as digital editing. You know, uh, there was no such thing as digital finishing. Uh, you know, everything was done by hand, including cutting the negative, and everything took time. You know, uh, you know, all sound was on 35 millimeter magnetic uh, uh, reels, and you could only rewind twice as fast as it would go forward. So, 
when you mixed a, 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 a 10-minute reel of film, it took you five minutes to rewind just to watch it again. <laughs> what a nightmare. You know? uh, well, no, I mean, it you know, actually, it was kind of fun because you could actually enjoy the mm. time off in between and, and in, a, in, a, in an interesting way have almost a better arm's length perspective of what you're going to be listening to. You know, uh, so there, there's advantages and disadvantages, you know, to, uh, to the speed that with which we work now. Um, but so basically that's what happened. And then, uh, you know, we found the location and then we realized, you know, that shooting in a mine is not nearly as easy as we thought it would be. Uh, you know, everything about making the movie was one surprise after the other, just like the movie. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, we, you know, we showed up and we loved the mine and then we go back to, you know, Montreal to, uh, discuss, you know, the, the specifics of the preparation. By the time we got back to the, uh, the little town where the mine was, these people thought, well, we, don't really want to show a mine that looks so dirty and ugly to people. So by the time we showed up, they repainted the whole damn thing, <laughs> making it look spanking brand new. It looked like it looked like a mine out of Disney World, you know. So they took all uh, the character out of it. Yeah. So we ended up spending two weeks bringing in every scenic artist that was available to repaint it to make it look like crap again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then we find out that oh uh, you can't really use you know I mean they wanted us there because it was it literally was a town that was dying you know the mine just closed everyone was unemployed uh, you know we were offering you know at least you know a couple of months worth of semi decent paying jobs so everyone wanted us so they kind of neglected to tell us so in the mine you can't really use movie lights because movie lights spark. Oh, was and, there methane in the mine still? Well, it's a coal mine, right? It, uh, it just, it, uh, you know, whether you're mining it or not, the, uh, the open coal faces just generate methane. Gotcha. So what happens is, you know, and, and all these mines, you know, uh, these were old mines that were just so mined out. You know, we were we were like uh, 900 yards underground, you know, and a mile out underneath the ocean. <laughs> uh, so the ventilating shafts, which they have, are all so long. So what happens is anytime the weather gets heavy, you know, when the barometer drops and, you know, it gets very humid or, or cloudy, and the, the, the weight of the air doesn't allow ventilation to happen as easily, uh, then you have methane build up. And then, you know, one little, one movie light sparks, and it goes a big boom. <laughs> so, wow. uh, so we realized, oh, my God. Uh, and in those days, you know, film stock, we, we were working with the fastest film stock. But even the fastest film stock was, you know, you needed big lights in those days. Uh, and now we could only use the biggest light, light lamp we can use is a 50-watt bulb. Oh, my gosh. A safety light. Oh, no. So 
then we had to scramble, and we ended up getting some of the finest uh, and fastest lenses available. They were the ones that Stanley Kubrick developed for Barry Lyndon. Um, yeah. And then we realized that our light meters uh, are not sensitive enough to even get that. So then we ended up getting one of the prototype of digital light meters. <laughs> so, you know, it was just one uh, one crazy, ex- you know, experience after another. And then we realized that even with that, we didn't have enough light unless we had to, what was called pushing the film. I don't know if, you know, anybody in the audience really knows what that means now. But what it meant was that you would overdevelop the film. Um, but that particular film stock, there was only one place in the world that could do that, and that was a lab in New York called Chemtone. So then all our negatives had to fly to Chemtone to get developed. Oh, and wow. then the negatives would get sent up to Montreal, where the negatives would then be printed into a positive work print. And that would then be sent out to us in Nova Scotia. So I was working blind most of the time because, you know, they used to call them rushes because they would get rushed through the lab. So what you shot yesterday, you would see today. With us, it was whatever I shot on Monday. If I was lucky, I'd see it on Friday. Oh, man. <laughs> so, yeah, it was kind of exciting and crazy and wild and, uh, you know, uh, and a lot of fun, you know. Uh, and, you know, John was right. I did not sleep for six months. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how I got involved with my bloody Valentine. Well, I, I, I want to... I want to ask something actually about the film real quick because um, you you stated that you were a comedy guy before and one of the things that kind of stands out to me about your film in particular is A, it seems bigger than the typical slasher of its time period. You know, it involves the entire town but B, it has a real sense of humor about it that doesn't take away from the tension or horror. So it, it is unique to me in that standpoint and I, I just, I wondered if you could speak on that at all. Well, you know, that was, again, one of the, the you know, and, uh, I just always found, you know, um, the Italians do that really well, you know, uh, where they can make you cry one minute and laugh the next. And right. every time you laugh, the next time you want to cry, it's even deeper and more emotional. Uh, so I wanted to create that moments of levity so that, you know, um, and also, you know, I mean, human beings have gallows humor. You know, one of the things that happens, you know, to a lot of people is when you, you know, you you end up making bad jokes, right? <laughs> That's uh, true. And so I thought, you know, uh, John and John Baird and I both thought, you know, uh, and I was kind of insisting on it, you know, we can't just be one tone, you know, and. We don't want to be, you know, a lot of the horror films, the slasher films at the time, you know, you always had the good girl and the and the bitch, right? right. You always had the, uh, you know, the 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 mean girls and the good girls, or you had the bullies and you had the the uh, the nerds, you know. But it was always kind of one tone, you know. And I wanted to 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 get away from that, you know. 
I really wanted to, like I said, you know, I mean, uh, you know, I wanted to do the, the deer hunt, you know, uh, in that sense. And people have their foibles, you know, and, and some are serious and some are not. And some react to danger differently than others. So I tried to, to create um, an environment or create characters you know, who were very different. And, you know, some of them just couldn't help but make bad jokes, which just pissed the others off, which <laughs> is what really happens in real life, right? Absolutely. So, and, and that sense of genuineness, I, I think, is why so many people clamor to your film. Well, I think so, and I think that's the only that's what that's what saved the film after it got raped by the uh, Motion Picture Association of America, you know, uh, and that's why it it remained and, and still keeps climbing, because you know, I mean that was the the culmination of of the uh, you know, we kept saying that nothing else could happen to us, you know, we you know by the time we finished making this film, you know, the and you know we got we even even with those lights we had we got evacuated like three times out of the mine, you know, uh, you know we had you know name name the you know there's a corollary to Murphy's law that the film you know filmmakers use, which says Murphy was an optimist, <laughs> you know, and you know we had we had everything you can imagine, you know, so it was always a battle. To uh, you know, to make sure that we got what we wanted. You know, nothing came easy on that film. And then you know, and one of the the, the things about the film was that we were uh, the mandate was to come up with the most interesting and state of the art special effects. So we had Tom Berman come up from LA, and we created all these one shot special effects. You know. Uh, when the pickaxe hits under Happy's chin, in the same shot, the the point of the pickaxe comes out of his eye socket and pushes his eyeball out. You know, uh, these were mechanical, practical effects of a nature that's never been done before. Uh, and it just grossed the shit out of Jack Valenti. You know, <laughs> may he not rest in peace. Uh, you know. <clears throat> and so basically by the time we were ready to mix the movie we also had to negative cut the movie and we also had to uh, get the ratings um, board you know the MPAA to give us their ratings and we're trying to do this all at the same time and I'm in the editing in the mixing studio in Toronto uh, our editor is in L.A. with a black-and-white copy of our film that has the, the same code numbers on it so we can coordinate what needs to be done if anything needs to be cut. And basically, for a week, all we got was calls saying, well, you got to take out another two seconds there. you got to take out another three seconds there. The problem was, is because we were doing this state-of-the-art, the kind of things now they do digitally, um, we didn't have shots to cut away to. Uh, you know, if you look at the old Halloweens and the old Friday the 13s, I love those movies. They were great, you know? Right. But, you know, uh, the knife goes down, you know, in one, one, one shot, and then the knife enters 
the body in another shot. Right. Then you cut back, and then you see blood coming out of that shot, you know, the the body, right? Uh, in ours, that was done in one shot. So when they said cut out the blood, that meant having to cut out the end of the scene, okay. Then they said, well, we can't see the penetration. We don't want to see penetration. Okay, well, how do we do that? Mm -hmm. So a lot of the times what happened was, we ended up having to take like big chunks out of it, you know. Uh, and to that, then you know, we show that then that to them, and they say, "Okay, we'll take out another two frames." You know. So by the time we finished, um, literally um, about ninety percent or more of the actual special effects that the, that we spent time and an incredible amount of money on were cut out of the movie. And yet, it still survives, you know, to this day. And it's still, you know, thank you again for saying, and one of your favorites. Yeah. And I think the reason for that is the the people, the humor, the, the, the cast, and and the, the chemistry that that cast had. You know, and the fact that they're... They, they, they actually feel like real people. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, one of the things that actually struck me recently about the film is, you know, even though it's, what, 35 years old now, it doesn't mm -hmm. look like a 35-year-old film. It looked almost like it could have been shot today as a period piece. Right. You know what I mean? It really, I, I, we, I was at a screening in, uh, in Tampa, um, when was it, last, uh, well, I guess about last, was it last fall? Or, you know, I think it was last fall. And I actually had a chance to sit down in an audience in a nice theater to watch it again. And uh, we were watching the, uh, the, the remastered uh, copy of it. And you know, it struck me that saying this still looks pretty damn modern. You know, in a weird the shooting style. Anyway, you know, yes, the costumes are different, but then again, if I was making a period piece about the '80s, that's what they would look like. Oh, absolutely. And and just being on that subject, I'm a little curious. What is kind of your opinion of its longevity? I think I think you know one it's. Uh, it's not just a slasher film. It's a little bit of a whodunit. Um, one of our influences was, I don't know if it, you know uh, that that film, Agatha Christie wrote this book called Ten Little Indians. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and then there were none. Uh, and so, you know, you know, and the other thing about it, I think, what the longevity is, is that the fact that the miner Harry Warden is a, is is not a Superman. You know, Harry Warden doesn't, you know, walk slowly and still catch up to people who run. <laughs> you know, uh, he's 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 actually real. You know. And and then when we find out that it's not Harry Warden who's doing this killing because Harry's dead, 
then you go, oh. So, because, you know, we set up this idea that he comes back every year to take his vengeance, you know. And then you realize, no, he's dead. So what's going on? <laughs> you know, so who is it then? You know, and what we tried to do is is when we were designing the, the, the screenplay and, and, and the film is to make sure that Axel was always, there's a reason for Axel not to be in a scene, but there's always, you know, you understood where he was and it made sense that he could have done that and still come back as Axel. You know, he didn't step out of a room as Axel and step back into the room dressed as the miner. You know, so there's, again, a, a, a certain reality that we were trying to do. And I think the other thing is it's it's kind of politically subversive. You know, uh, in the sense that you know, if if you look at symbolically, Harry Warden is almost the avenging angel of the working class. Uh, Harry Warden comes back to kill the management who was negligent, who did not provide safe working conditions, and was and was oppressing the workers, and therefore many workers died because they wanted to spend their time partying. Did that ring a bell? That's, uh, I never actually looked at it that way, but that, that you gave me a whole new way of looking at it, and I, I really appreciate that. Yeah, and, yeah, so there was that part of it, right? You know, and then, there's the, then, then, then it turns into, and understandably, childhood trauma, you know, and the childhood trauma turns the son of one of those into the avenging angel. So, you know, all those weird, you know, I mean, there's a reason why John Baird and I spent a long time in philosophy classes. Before we got to make movies. You know? <laughs> Excuse me, Michael. But that was basically, you know, I think that is it. And, and, and because of the fact that it doesn't treat itself seriously. <laughs> and all these messages are subliminal. You know, it's not it's not hammering home all these things. It just is. Right. You know, and it lets you absorb it, and you don't even know why, but you go, oh, I get it. You know, there's something about it, you know, that, that is just, I don't know, um, down home and inviting Oh, absolutely. Now, with its longevity, uh, I just have to ask, what is actually your opinion of the remake of it? Uh, I, my pat answer to that usually is, you know, <laughs> um, over the years, you know, in, you know, in, in, in Western culture, you know, cinema culture, you know, uh, how many movies have been made in the last hundred years? You know, right? Thousands and thousands and thousands, I would assume, right? Absolutely. How many have been remade? A couple of hundred. Yeah. I take that as an honor. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, um, 
I think they did a great job. I, I gotta thank them for, you know, in a way, uh, it brought another set of fans to the original. Uh, one of the beautiful things about horror fans is that they're cinephiles. When they see remake, they want to go find the original first. <coughs> or at least watch it after. And uh, so, you know, it, the original got a lot of fans because of the remake. Um, you know, I mean, I found I found the remake to be very cool. I thought, you know, the, the idea of 3D, if there was one horror film where 3D worked as that because of the axe, you know. Um, there were certain things that, you know, the, the shifting of the, the, uh, of the, the villain to me was kind of weird. And the fact that he was in two places at once always confused me. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, it, you know, that was the only thing I would say about it. You know, the rest was pretty good, except, you know, everyone had clean teeth. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, you know, everyone was, uh, you know, the sheriff wasn't much older than the, than the, uh, than the, the, the rest of the cast, you know, I mean, pretty well, this, you know, a little bit country, what is it, CW, you know, where everyone's yeah. 21 years old, even the brain surgeon <laughs> and the judge, uh, you know, but aside from that, you know, I mean, it, it was cool. I know, I know, um, uh, all of a sudden, my cold just I blocked on his name. We I worked with him in France. He was my uh, my editor in France on a television series I was shooting. Uh, the director, uh, he's a great guy, and you know, visually he did a fabulous job. You know, uh, and you know, got good on them. They made you know they made lots of money, and it brought everything back. So I'm very pleased and honored, you know, that they did it. Would I have no. done it that way? Nah, maybe not. But then again, they didn't ask it. So that's okay. Well, well, speaking about how you would have done it, uh, did you ever have plans for a sequel? Um, we had plans. Uh, John Dunning really wanted to make a sequel. And uh, we, over the years, we discussed um, some um, you know, options. Uh Honestly, I didn't really uh, think about a sequel. When John wanted to do one, I uh, was busy doing other things, you know, and, you know, at that time I said, oh, God, you know, John, John, we made that movie already, you know. <laughs> uh, and because all, all, of, all the ones that people would come to John were, were back to, you know, uh, hungry, drunken teenagers, you know, sex-hungry, drunken teenager kind of things. Right. And, you know, and, you know, I never wanted to do that, really. So, and it just, it never went that far. Uh, lately, I'm, uh, I'm now seriously toying with a, 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 a sequel, you know, and maybe one day, you know, if we can figure it out properly, I think I've got it. You know, oh, wow. Now it's just a matter of, uh, of, putting it all together and getting the right people, you know, involved. But I think I've got the key. I think I've got it where I would actually, you know, spend a year of my life doing it, you know. Uh, because that's the thing about a future film, you know. Like it or not, it's a year out of your life. Right. You know, 
So you know, you got you got to be you know, uh, kind of invested. And you know, I've had a you know a, a very I've been very fortunate, and I've been able to do many different kinds of genres and many different kinds of films, and uh, you know, so you know. One of the things I've always done in my career is, and you know, try to do new things as opposed to redoing the same kind of thing all the time. You know, uh, so for me, you know, to come back and find the key, which I think I did, I'm really proud of it, and hopefully <laughs> I'll get to make it. You know, in the next year or so or two. You know, uh, when it comes on to you know when we can figure it out, and because you know, I mean. It, these days, uh, and and obviously, I want to shoot it in a real mine again, you know, right? Or parts of it, you know. These days, those things will cost a lot of money, you know. I, I'm honestly almost speechless. I'm I'm actually so excited just by that news. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, well, I don't want to pry because I know it's still early stages. So I I will just uh, Lionsgate. <laughs> <laughs> well, Please. no, I, I, I'll, I'll leave with the final question of, for the people that know you from My Bloody Valentine and everything, what are some other projects of yours that they should actually check out? Because you've had a long career, but I, I think so many fans simply know you from that. Oh, uh, well, you know, I mean, uh, yes, you know, I mean, there's a couple of things, you know, I mean, um, uh, uh, some of my, my, you know, my favorite movies, unfortunately, uh, are in French because I started making movies in French. Uh, well, weirdly enough, you know, I'm one of those guys that you know, <laughs> um, speak two languages or actually three, and uh, I've had an opportunity to uh, make some movies in French. Um, one of them called La Florida, which, you know, I'm very, very big you know, very proud of another smaller movie that that was, you know, uh, called The Road to Damascus or Cement Damas. Uh, in English, there's one that I did with Michael Ironside and um, um, David Warner called Office Party. I'm not sure what the title was in in uh, in, um, in the United States. But that was a, uh, a hostage-taking drama, psychological hostage-taking drama. That with some really, am I allowed to swear in this show? Oh hell yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, and some really fucked up moments. <laughs> uh, you know, um, that I'm very very proud of called Office Party. I'm no idea. Oh yeah, I yeah I did. What was it called? Hostile Takeover. Piece of shit title. You know, <laughs> uh, it totally doesn't have anything to do with it. You know, the reason it was called Office Party is because this mild-mannered uh, office worker uh, at 5 o'clock one day decides to take a bicycle lock and lock the door to the office and pull out a gun from his suitcase and keep all his coworkers hostage because he doesn't know. He just wants to hang out. Nice. <laughs> and it gets weirder and weirder and psychologically crazier every minute after that. <clears throat> you know, um, um, 
John Vernon, wasn't it? You know, uh, he was the uh, the principal in Animal House. Uh, David Warner was the guy in Straw Dogs. Michael Ironside, you might know from Total Recall. Uh, it was a really cool genre cast. And uh, they all played, you know, like opposite, um, how do you call it? Uh, and it was anti-casting. Michael Ironside, you know, as you, you guys know him, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, he, well, imagine him playing a nerdy office manager. <laughs> you know, uh, and, you know, it was just uh, it was it was a lot of fun. That would be, I would highly recommend that. And there's another one I did with Karen Black called The Blue Man, um, which uh, won a bunch of awards and uh, at the time. Avori, as in France, was the, uh, uh, I guess, the, uh, the premier genre festival in the world. And uh, it was called The Blue Man, uh, and it's about um, astral traveling and what would be called soul vampires. And it's got some in interesting twists where uh, these people need to get rid of the soul of somebody and teach them how to astral travel so they can take over their bodies and it's a it's basically this weird seduction romance where this woman played by Karen Black is actually has the soul of a man inside her and who wants to take over the soul of a man <laughs> to become a man again so, I mean, it's like twisted, you know, almost transgendered, twisted, weird, um, you know, uh, thing Karen Black started it, and, uh, you know, um, it was, you know, I, I really, you know, that's one movie I would love to remake myself. You know, uh, you know I just saw that, you know, Fantasia Film Festival, um, they just uh, they had a retrospective of some of my work, and they found this beautiful pristine thirty five millimeter copy. And uh, I just saw it this summer. I haven't seen it in God only knows how long, probably since I shot it. <laughs> uh, and I was surprised on how we were able to create the fluidity and the floating camera movements at the time when we were shooting with thirty five millimeter cameras that weighed fifty pounds. You know. Uh, so yeah, those, those those would be the two in, in English that I would highly recommend for fans to see. Weirder kind of uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, how to call it? You know, sort of uh, you know, films that I made. You know, still genre, but like twisting each one of them, sort of twists and bends the genre, which is what I always like doing. And then I went back to comedy. So if you, any of you uh, in the States, I did a series called 24-Hour Rental just recently that was on Hulu. I'm not sure it's playing there now, uh, which was a really totally fucked up, black, weird, violent uh, parody of every um, gangster movie ever made <laughs> and film criticism. It was a combination of film criticism and uh, and gangster movie parodies. Yeah. 
Well, that actually sounds right up my alley. Twenty-four hour rental. Yeah, uh, you know, it's about a uh, a gangster who um, got kicked out of the mafia and now owns a video store, which obviously, as we know, does not make a lot of money. <laughs> but that's no. okay because basically the video store is a front for selling drugs in the back and illegal porn because obviously <laughs> DVD, you know. It's easy to do. Right. And his best friend, played by Michael Bean. You guys know Michael Bean, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, of course. Definitely. Yeah. Well, Michael Bean plays an alcoholic ex cop addicted to animal porn. <laughs> That's his best friend. And need I say more? And, you know. Uh, and so it's sort of like the Sopranos meets the clerks. Because the video store is run by two snobby. Uh, High school or uh, film school graduates who refuse to rank you Hunger Games because that's just a cheap ripoff of uh, um, of Battle Royale. You know, basically <laughs> they call it. You know, basically they call it. Uh, it's Battle Royale eaten by Ronald McDonald and shot into a Happy Meal bag. <laughs> 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 Corporate kitty crap. So, <laughs> so that's 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 the one that I would you know. I had a lot of fun doing that. I was the executive producer on that, and uh, we just we just did that a couple of years ago. You know, and you know, now I'm going to be doing a very serious. Uh, I'm 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 now mentoring some young filmmakers and uh, executive producing their work up here in Canada. You know, I'm preparing to do my own feature next year. Well, that's about very it nice. for me. Uh, well, I'm looking forward to any more news on the, the sequel and actually looking back at some of your back catalog. But, uh, George, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day and joining us. And uh, honestly, we're just thrilled that you chose to be our bloody Valentine. Well, happy Valentine to all of you, and uh, feel free to check in sometime soon. Absolutely. Thank Most you again. definitely. Take care, guys. You too. And happy Valentine's to all your listeners.
That was horrible. Lucky Land Slots, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.